Hey everyone, KeepToTheCity.com has partnered with the Alleyway Sports Bar on the Upper East Side for Rangers viewing parties this season. Come to the Alleyway Sports Bar located at East 70th Street between 1st and York this Thursday, January 15th at 7pm to watch the Rangers and Bruins and enjoy drink specials including $30 cash for open bar for the entire game. Head to the Alleyway on Thursday night or visit KeepToTheCity.com slash Rangers Party for more information. You're listening to the Keep to the City Podcast. Here's Neil Keefe. All right, so the Rangers returned home back to uh, MSG for the first time in, in a long time. And uh, after their California sweep of the Ducks, the Kings, and the Sharks, they come home and lay an egg in the uh, most hyped game of the season against the Islanders. But at least the Rangers-Islanders rivalry is back. It's uh, something that hasn't been here in New York in uh, 20 years. And uh, since really I was uh, seven years old and back in fourth grade was the last time the Rangers and the Islanders mattered at the same time. So it's good to have it back, even if it means Islanders fans chirping the Rangers fans uh, for the next two weeks until they meet again. And uh, on Thursday night this week, we get Rangers-Bruins for the first time this season, um, which is a little weird to have it come this this late into the season. But uh it's another it's another big game for the Rangers, another uh, elite opponent for them to face and to try to keep things rolling now with 12 wins in their last 14 games. And here to talk uh, some hockey today and about the Bruins with this game on tap is Brian McGonigal of Barstool Sports Boston. You know him as Rear Admiral up there. Uh, Brian, how's it going today? Good. How you doing, my friend? I'm doing well. You know, uh, for you guys at least, uh, it's not just solely hockey season up there and uh, you still have football going on, which... Um, for Giants fans here and also those Jets fans, uh, we haven't had that since pretty much September. So it's been it's been pretty much hockey here for the last three plus months. And at least for you guys, you have something else to look forward to uh, when the Bruins aren't going so well. Yeah, well, they've they've actually I mean turned a, quite a corner I think in the in the last few games. But yeah, you're right. The, when the Patriots are still playing, the Bruins uh, they're not on the back burner, but they're they're definitely number two. Uh, to the Patriots. I mean, obviously, football, the NFL is king, and especially when you know teams uh, a game away from the Super Bowl. I mean, it's only logical that people are going to focus more on that, and I, I have no issue with that. Uh, but yeah, but like I said, I, I think in, in, in people kind of still think all oh, the Bruins have been blah lately, but they've uh, I think they got points in what seven straight now, three wins in a row over uh, you know some quality opponents. They, they actually funny you mentioned the first game with the Rangers tomorrow. They had their first game with uh, a division rival last night in Tampa Bay. And uh, I don't know if you saw, I know obviously you probably didn't see any of it with, with you. You guys had your big game down there last night. But this kid, Pasternak, uh, Pasternak that the Bruins called up um, after he finished at the juniors, uh, he's he's changed the whole complexion of this team in, in three or four games. I mean, he's got four goals in two games. He missed the hat trick by a half a second in Philly over the weekend. And this team, it just looks 180 degrees different than it did, uh, say, two, three weeks ago. So, uh, it, things are pretty bad here. People are pretty down on the Bruins, but you know, I, like I said, it, it's January. You, you know, the, you remember the, the, well, the Bruins even back in the, when they had their cup run in '11, and then the, the Kings the following year that everybody wrote them off as dead in the water in January. And you know, people just they just don't learn from history. It's, there's a lot of hockey to be played. And you know, uh, three weeks ago, I was, uh, if you asked me about this team, I wouldn't. Have, I, I said, "Geez, I don't know what the problem is." And, and it's just some. Sometimes it happens. It just it, they just finally click. They just finally get it, and then they 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 were playing well before. And then, like I said, this kid Pasternak come in, and he's given them a dimension that they they just haven't had all year. They they look literally like a different team than they did before. Um, so I, I think tomorrow night should be a hell of a tilt. 
Yeah, and I think going back to, to right after Christmas and before the New Year's, uh, when you look at the Bruins and they lost, I think, like four out of five, and it just seemed like maybe this this wasn't the year. And, and, and the more I thought about it, I mean, for them uh, to be as good as they were last year and they were really the team to beat in the East, uh, and, and if they got past Montreal, maybe they do go on and win the Cup. But I just couldn't understand how they could go from the team they were last year to the team they were this year. And I know they lost to Ginla and they had some injury problems and they traded Boychuk and their defense has been banged up. But, I mean, I guess it was really too early to, to start thinking about throwing dirt on the Bruins and counting them out and, and maybe thinking that they might not even get in the playoffs which with as tight as the Atlantic is and, and how that wild card uh, situation could shake out. But they seem to have righted things. And uh, I think that, I mean, that's good good for them. Maybe not so good for the Rangers as they head up there with the Bruins playing the best they've played all season. Yeah, that's right. Like I said, I, I, I'm, I'm hoping we get Tuka versus Hank. Um, did Hank, Hank play last night? I, I didn't really see any of the game because we had the Bruins on up here, so I didn't. Yeah, he, well, he played, so he played in, uh, he played back to, uh, he played on, uh, last week against Anaheim on Wednesday, then he sat against the Kings Thursday, played Saturday against the Sharks, and then he played, uh, the first two periods last night, and they pulled him. So I think they were set, you know, setting him up to come back on Thursday. Yeah, that, okay, yeah, because he, well, I mean, th- you know, three goals isn't really, I mean, let's do it three horrendous goals. That's not usually why you pull them. Yeah, so if they gave him the third period off, then I would suspect they are saving him for tomorrow. And yeah, it's great. I mean, the, you know, there's Bruins and Rangers, you know, the, as much as we talk about Boston, New York, Boston, New York, these guys have only played each other once in the last. Christ, 36 years, you know, yeah. and that was, you know, uh, when the Bruins went to the Cup versus the, the, the Hawks a couple of years ago. So there's not really, you know, there's no, there's always that Boston New York thing, and I always, I mean, I get season tickets, and I tell people, even if these are the two two worst teams in the league, Boston New York's always a fun take. The Rangers Bruins out the garden, just as because there's always you know a lot of New York people in this area, as you know, and uh, you know, so there's always a good crowd. But uh, tomorrow night should be especially especially electric, um, with you know, the, you know, the Rangers had a nice little run there out, out west, and. I wasn't too surprised they lost last night only because that is kind of almost common for a team to go out and have a hell of a trip and then come home and have a bit of a letdown against a, a, a real rival, a real local rival. Um, but I'm looking forward to a good game tomorrow. But, you know, having said that, I mean, I know these two are kind of neck and neck for the for the wild card right now. It, you know, it, it is only a two-point game. It, it is a regular season game. Uh, you know, they might not even see each other again in the playoffs, but... You know, for a regular season game, yeah, there's definitely going to be some eyes looking forward to it, especially where they're kind of you know both tied with a wild card right now. Yeah, it was a little weird that Lundqvist got pulled. I mean, I think the only reason was because the Islanders were dominating so badly they ended up with 44 shots, and had he not been in the net from the get-go, it probably would have been like 7 or 8 nothing. But uh, really only the third goal, I guess you could say, was soft, but it was shorthand. It was on a two-on-one, and it, and it sort of snuck in there on the short side. But I, I feel like they just needed to get him a break. Uh, he, he, it was like almost like that scene in Slapshot where the, you know, the guy comes in, he's like flipping out like on the bench in the locker room because he had so many shots. And uh, and hopefully it does line us up for Lundqvist Tuca because it seems like you know going back at least uh, since Tuca's become a Bruin, it's always these two. It's it's usually on those you know Saturday Sunday matinee games we get them in a one nothing two one game, but they always seem to bring their best when they play against each other. Yeah, like I said, it's just it's the original six. It's the Boston New York, and like you said, even when I went to games and when both teams sucked a few years ago, it was just always a little a little vibe in the building, even when they were terrible, because it's just that. You know, you got those elements involved, and, and as far as the, um, uh, you know, starting the goaltenders, and you know, you, you get, well, it's basically not even the range of the Bruins. I mean, if you're looking at the East, the, the top team, the, the Islanders get 59 points, and the the, the, the wild, bottom wildcard team, well, both the Rangers and Bruins, they get well, Rangers are ahead of the Bruins because they have less games played. The Bruins get 52 points. 
that's only a seven-point difference between, you know, eight teams. So, you know, with coaches, they're kind of in that, well, do I rest my goalie or do, or do I stop my better goalie because I need points here? So there's kind of, you know, uh, uh, the, you know, in years past, uh, I thought Claude had ridden Tuca way too much. I mean, the Bruins had a huge lead last year, and they were still coming back with Tuca. And I understand you want to keep your number one guy fresh and have him seeing pucks, but it, there's also, you know, you don't want to overtax him. So if you do go deep in the playoffs, he, he, he starts to mentally wear down maybe a little or physically wear down. But, you know, right now, I, I think, you know, Boston and New York, they're, they're both better off starting their number ones. Uh, although Bruins, number two, Svedberg, has been pretty good. He, I mean, I don't know if you've noticed, the, the last four Bruin backups, I believe, I believe, last three or four, have all gone on to high, like, basically all doubled or tripled their contracts after losing Boston. You know, his, uh, you know, Tuca was the backup to Timmy Thomas because he became the starter, you know, got all that monster money now. Then you had... Anton Hudobin, who went and got a nice no contract on in Carolina, and then you had Chad Johnson last year, who went down to become the Rangers' backup. So uh, the Bruins will kind of lead the league in manufacturing backups and uh, backup uh, salary, backup goalie salary increases as well. So it's uh, goaltending hasn't been an, an issue here, thankfully, for the for the last few years. But uh, I, I think you know, Claude is going to probably ride Tuca a little bit more, maybe you know, try to get a little run, maybe get a little more comfortable and. If they get a comfortable, uh, into a comfortable spot, I'd like to see a little more Svedberg. I just, I would just like to see my number one goalie as fresh as Daisy going into the playoffs. You know, not, uh, not a little bit tired. So that you know, if you go three, four rounds deep, then you know, there's a, the, the wear and tear of the season is also there in addition to the playoffs. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, and you mentioned the standings there and how uh, right now the Rangers and Bruins are both in those wild card spots and the Rangers uh, have a few games in hand on, on everyone in the league. The only other team with as few games played as them is 40 is Columbus, and uh, they've got four games in hand on Boston, and then they've got two on Washington and Pittsburgh and three on the Islanders. But in the Metropolitan, I mean, after the Rangers, you know, if they were to win those games in hand, they'd be in third, Washington would be in fourth. And then after them, it's such a drop-off to Philly, Columbus, New Jersey, and Carolina that it's almost like – as you know, those four teams, Islanders, Rangers, Penguins, and Capitals are going to be in the mix for the top three spots, um, and then the other team would probably have to fight for the wild card against the, the Atlantic teams, but it's it's way better set up in the Metro than is the Atlantic, where after Boston, I mean, Florida, Toronto, even Ottawa are within striking distance, so it's not, you know, you're not as fortunate up there in that division where you could uh, sort of coast maybe as the way they have done in years past and still get in. Right, right, exactly, and uh I mean, just looking at the standings now, I mean, I, I wouldn't shock me if, if the eight teams in the East are, that are walking the playoffs right now are the, are the eight teams that end up there. I mean, Toronto is predicted sank like a stone. Uh, Ottawa, you know, they're 10 points back. I, I don't see them making up 10 points. They just don't have that good of a team. Philly's terrible. Columbus is a good team, but they had such an awful start. I, I don't see them making up a you know 13-point deficit even with a couple of games in hand. Uh, Jersey's toast. Carolina, Buffalo, obviously they're garbage. You know they're, they're going nowhere. Uh, Florida Panthers. You know they got they got a they got. I, I always kind of compare them to like Major League, the bit of baseball movie. You know a bunch of random spare parts, old guys, young guys. Uh, you know young talent, but old guys who might be over the hill, but still got a little left. Uh, but they do got Luongo. He's certainly capable of stealing some games. Uh, but I just don't think they have the overall team depth, the overall team to, to get in. I mean they they have three games in. On hand on the playoff. I'm sorry, three games in hand over the Bruins, and if they were to win those, they would leapfrog them. Uh, but they they did have a nice few games out west. I just don't see them getting in. Um, I I think basically the East is just going to be all about positioning at this point. It might be a nice race. A couple teams might you know go on a run, but uh, these teams look like they're they're all they're all going to probably stay here. I I don't see too many of these any of these teams really dropping out of the out of the race. 
Yeah, and I think the the craziest thing about the Bruins and the situation they're in is that they've you know they've gotten hot again. They're still uh, in a strong position to make a run and get back to the top of the Atlantic. And the weirdest part about it all is that they're doing it with really like the worst offense I can remember them having in quite some time. And, and certainly they've always been a team built on you know from from the back out on goaltending and defense. But to have uh, to have their leading scorer with Marshan with twelve goals, and then you got Bergeron with ten, and nobody else in double digits just seems kind of strange at this point of the season. Now that they're over the half waypoint yeah yeah i think that goes back to the um, you know i think that's something that people are going to look at and maybe dwell on and then they go look at their goal differential and say geez that they they live the lead the last few years what's wrong with that team but to me and, and you know i'm not being a homer here i think that's just indicative of their awful start to be honest with you um like you alluded to that they had injuries not just any old injuries i mean they lost their number one shutdown defenseman in the league who was actually starting to look like the number one shutdown defenseman in the league in, in, in Chara. They lost their number one playmaker in, uh, in Krejci, who's back, and he's kind of got a new wingman with the Pasternak here. So, uh, you know, I, I don't really care that, you know, they haven't scored a lot because, it, I, to me, again, that's just like more indicative of, of, a, of a crappy first half of the season. Uh, it, you know, it, at the same time, they are balanced scoring. You, you know, you, you, like you mentioned, they only got guys who have only have nine, you know, nine, ten, twelve goals or whatever. But they also have, you know, a bunch of guys bunched underneath them. So, you know, the Bruins can kind of kill you with their depth. So, you know, they're not front-loaded with, you know, two, two, all their scorers on the top two lines. You know, their third line can croak you with, you know, Soderberg. If he's skating with Kelly and Erickson, what happens is the other two teams have to concentrate on the Bergeron uh, Krejci lines. And then, you know, they have a week at the uh, defense pairing against Soderberg. And when he's on his game, he's a pretty strong player. I mean, he's the second leading scorer in the Bruins at uh, 929 goals, 20 assists. So I'm sorry, yeah, 29 points total. So, you know, they, they, that's a, another line that can be you, too. Louis Erickson, actually, well, he's, third, he's ended up a third line, and we thought we were getting a top six guy here, but because of the way things have kind of fallen into place here, he's a third liner. And, and the Bruins' top, you know, second and third leading scorers are actually on their third line. So, you know, you can look at it one way, oh, geez, that's terrible. Or you can look at it another way and say, man, they, if this team gets it together, watch out. And, and uh, I, I, like I said, I, I think this team has certainly turned a corner in the last few games. With the Islanders getting back to, to being relevant and, and now sitting atop the Eastern Conference, uh, you know they have 43 games played, uh, it sort of renewed the rivalry between them and the Rangers here, and uh, there's a lot of Islanders fans coming out of the woodwork who haven't had anything to say for the last 20 years watching um, you know, a lot of missed postseasons, a lot of first-round exits, a lot of bad hockey with the Islanders. And uh, and for Rangers fans, you know, uh, it, they've always acted as though the Islanders fans are their little brothers, and, and uh, when it comes to rivalry, there hasn't been much of late. But for me, it feels good to have you know it back because the Devils are uh, you know on the outs; they're not doing much, and to have hockey, both teams uh, with the New York in the name, and both teams with strong ties to the past, to be good again. I mean, it is good for hockey, and even though I'm scared of a, a potential playoff matchup against them, which would probably go six or seven games and could go either way. Uh, it does feel good to have them back. It does feel good to have meaningful games throughout an 82-game season because uh, the monotony of it can, can get tiresome. But for you guys, I mean, you've always had it with Montreal. Um, there's been times, uh, you know, where uh, you've had a couple other teams mixed in, but it's been Montreal through and through forever. And, you know, do you ever get sick of that rivalry? Do you ever, you know, get tired of playing them and, and having every game be uh, viewed as a game seven, whether it's in the regular season or not? And, are you, I, and when it comes to those, you know, for Yankees-Red Sox, I'm always worried about that potential matchup in the playoffs because I feel like even at this day and age, the Yankees still have more to lose in a, in a series loss. But do you ever feel that with Montreal that the Bruins have more to lose when they play? No, I welcome it. You know, I, I mean, I, you, I still get that little knot in my stomach. I mean, I am a child of the 70s and 80s, and so, you know, the, the, the Canadians ruined my first decade of Bruins hockey. Uh, I was born 
two weeks after the 72 Cup. So, I, you know, I, I was my whole life without a cup up until 2011. In the you know the seventies, the the Canadians, of course, they were the seventies Canadians may have been the greatest collection of hockey talent ever, and they you know they didn't just beat the Bruins, they would they would tantalizingly tease them, you know the the, the uh, too many men in the ice game in seventy nine, and you know the Bruins were so close to the cup, and then they they beat the Bruins in the cup a couple of years back when the setup was much different, where you know teams could play in the cup, well basically any any teams could potentially play in the cup back then, uh, and then now that all changed in the eighties, you know uh, Cam nearly owned Patrick Wah. That kind of changed the whole complexion. Well, we never called it the curse. It was always the jinx, up, uh, how it was known. And you haven't heard that word in years up here uh, because the Bruins kind of changed all that. And then the Bruins actually owned the Canadians for a few, few, for a few years in the 90s. And, uh, you know, it, it's a great rivalry. Grant. So I welcome it. it it's great. I, and honestly, if, if I'm going to play them, I'd rather get it out of the way, play them first. In, in like they did in 2011, and that was the toughest series they had. I mean, Montreal took them to overtime in Game 7. And, and I mean, if you ever watched that overtime, but for a bounce here or there. And, I mean, Hal Gill had, had the game on his stick. I mean, Hal Gill almost knocked the Bruins out of the playoffs in games, uh, you know, playing the Canadians. And I don't think, I think people would still be not over that had it happened. And there was another play, Seidenberg almost simultaneously knocked in and saved the puck from going to the net. Uh, so you know, there's these great moments that happen, and uh, and you know, last year was ugly. The Bruins, I think, the Canadians just got in their head. The Bruins were a great team, and I, I think uh, sometimes it is a psychological thing. It seemed like last year they got in their head. Tuka Rask wasn't as good as he, he could be. Uh, the Bruins just were taking dumb penalties, and you know, and, and I think with the Canadians, I think there's such a pride in that team, especially at home when they're in that locker room and they put that jersey on. It's similar to like you know the Yankees, it, it, whereas you know they just. It's just putting that uniform on. It just kind of makes these guys turns them some of them into supermen, like Dale Weiss last year. You know, a four, third, fourth line scrub. They grab him far, or ends up being a playoff hero for a round. So uh, I, I, I love it though. I mean, bring it on. It, it's it's fun. It's the trash talking's fun. You know, people get sick of it. You know, people get cry baby about it. But I love it. It's it's the I, to me the greatest rivalry in all of sport. Um, nobody's played each other as much as these two have in the last hundred years. And and if it happens. Man, let's do it. I can't wait to watch. They always say in uh, baseball, you know, you need starting pitching and uh, strong catcher, strong shortstop, strong center fielder, all, everything up the middle. And I was doing a podcast with Chief from Chicago, and he mentioned your theory about, you know, needing the same sort of thing in the NHL to be a cup contender up the middle. And uh, right now it would be the, for the Rangers, you know, you have Nash, McDonough, Lundquist. For you guys, I mean, it's got to be Bergeron, Chara, Rask, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's, that's what being Chief, I call you, know, you kind of need that uh, – I call it the hockey triumvirate, you know, with the, uh, a Calder, not a Calder, geez, I'm halfway, uh, a Vesna, not finalist, but a Vesna contender, a Norris contender, and a, and a Selgi contender, and, you know, that that's what a lot of teams have, I mean, Chicago has it, and Boston has it, and, you know, they don't necessarily have to have won the award, but, uh, you know, of course, like Corey Crawford hasn't, but, you know, they have that kind of, those three positions, you know, a, a number one defenseman, a number one goalie, and a number one shutdown uh, center like like Bergeron, that's that's a great recipe for success in this league, and I, I think you know you're starting to see a lot of teams kind of you know sort of try to emulate that to some degree. We talked about the standings earlier, but how how sort of packed they are, and like you mentioned, between the first seed and the eighth seed, uh, there's not you know seven points or whatever separates them, and uh, how hectic it's going to be going down the stretch here. But I feel like a lot of that has to do with it. Just feels like the three point game, which everyone you know, it's a big gripe about how it's changed the sport since the lockout and. It seems like this year there's more three-point games than ever, and I think that has a lot to do with it. You know, that mixed in with the parity that's taking place now in the NHL being at an all-time high, but it's really the three-point game, and I don't know necessarily if there's a way 
that that can be adjusted or fixed going to the future because they're going to want to keep the shootout now that it's you know it's been tested and fans like it and no one wants to go see a tie. Uh, I just don't know what's the answer, but it feels like there should be a much bigger gap at this point between the elite teams in the league and the bottom feeders. Yeah, I hate to lose a point. Um, I mean, I hate the shootout as well. I know. You know, while I don't turn the TV off when it comes, but I just think it's a, it's a terrible way to decide a team sport. It's a one-on-one competition, and it just makes no sense to me. And then you, you know, you tell you're calling a team a loser, and then you're giving them a point, which is like, what, what that, what's going on here? <laughs> I mean, I know the AHL has been experimenting with the, you know, uh, they go four on four for a few minutes, then they're down to three on three, and I haven't read up on the last couple of weeks. But I know early on it was kind of successful. A lot, of, a lot more games were, were ending with. Uh, well, with team play, let's call it, rather than uh, you know, into, uh, a guy skating in a breakaway, which is not a hell of a lot of fun, um, you know, for a team to you know to lose on that. So I wouldn't be surprised if if the NHL likes what they see in the HL if they if they do incorporate that and and kind of get rid of this lose a point because yeah, it, it does. It, it kind of you know it, it allows teams to clog it up late in games and, and just play you know play for the point and. You know, I don't know. You should be playing to win, not not playing for the point. But if but if you're but if I'm a coach and that's the way the the, the rules are set up, I'm going to play for the point too. So I don't begrudge teams or coaches or players for doing it. You know, they, it, it's it's uh, you're going by the rules. It's like Bill Belichick last week, and you know, yeah, he's got Harbaugh crying in his panties about you know, oh, they were deceptive and all this. And I was like, no, Belichick went and you know, he studied the rule book and he and, and he realized, okay, we can take advantage of this and. You know, we're going to expose it, and if they change the rule later, we'll so we'll find. But for now, this is the rule, we're going to utilize it. So, you know, like team teams who are maybe less on, less on talent, and you know, like a Florida type team, you might see those guys trying to like you know muck it up and just keep dumping it out at the end of the game just to get the overtime to get that point, and then hell, they think a true dog comes, maybe we can get two points. So, yeah, I'd really like to see them do away with it. I, I don't like it. I, I think it's kind of ruined anything but it's just it, it's just too much it's too many points to give out and again if you're losing the game you shouldn't get any points in the first uh the first season i started wagering on games was the first season after the lockout so 05 06 and i've always wondered this and i feel like you'd be a great person to ask about it is how you know the pre-lockout era without the shootout affected you know the money lines and the gambling aspect of it because most i mean now there is a winner and loser every single game there's no more ties and you know how did that change after the lockout when you're looking at lines Oh, well, everything went from uh, puck lines to money lines, like baseball. See, back before when there were ties, uh, every game was a uh, – every I should say every regular season game was was a, uh, a puck line. Your, a team would be favored uh, even half, which means that the uh, the team favored was laying a half. The team was the other dog would be even. Um, uh, then Or you might get minus a half one or one, one and a half or one and a half two. Uh, so, I mean, it, it was so advantageous to the house, to the bookie, that it was – I mean, it was ridiculous. I – you know, I mean, you you betting a team, and, and they were half the time you were going to tie, whether they had them at even or minus one. It, it really wasn't very good, uh, a very good setup for like uh, the gamble. Like, you know, the house is given two lines, and and you know they're not the same one, so it's advantageous to them. Now it's just straight money, and um, you know, you it's just like baseball. You just gotta, you know, you can take the team that's the higher favorite and lay the lay the bigger vig, or take the underdog and and get the better payoff. Now there's also, if you happen to have Access to certain websites, uh, uh, you can get what's called the alternate line, uh, which is uh, it's a puck. Well, it's basically the old the old fashioned puck line, which is it's one and a half both ways. You could take a team with a goal and a half, but the vig is ridiculous. I never understand people who bet that because if you're betting a team to, to to lose by a goal, then don't you like them to at least win the game? And you know why would you lay such a large vig? Whereas if you lay the goal and a half, like for example, the Bruins. Um, 
in Philly the other day. They were a pick 'em. You could take the Bruins to win the game by, you know, in a shootout or overtime, and they just got to win the game. You had to put up 110 to make 100. Or you could say, screw it. I think they're going to beat this. So he's terrible. I think they're going to beat him way more by, the, by a goal. They're going to win by two or more. You put up 100. Now you're getting back 240. So you're getting a much better return. Of course, you got to win the game by two goals now. And, you know, therein lies the rub. I mean, you know, you saw a lot of nights you're doing the, the, the uh, empty net dance in your living room, hoping <laughs> for an empty net goal, that, you know, that sometimes comes and sometimes doesn't. You know, last night, I, I actually didn't bet the Bruins last night. A lot of people assumed I did, but, but, you know, because Tampa had getting spanked the previous game. You know, the Bruins won by a goal. They had the empty net, and they couldn't get it. And, you know, if you had the Bruins uh, just on the money line, you would have won. But if you had them on the goal line, then it was a frustrating loss. They couldn't get the empty netter. So, uh, personally, I think the, there's way more value in the empty netter. Uh, I'm not going to get into my numbers, but uh, this has probably been the best year of hockey gambling I've had in, in, in forever. <laughs> and I, I, I find that the puck line is, can be exploited, uh, especially with action reverses. Uh, I love the action reverses because on a normal one, did you ever play those in football and action reverse, Neil? I have done them, and I, I remember uh, you. I was listening to you guys on the five minute major, and you explained it to everyone, and they were sort of uh, they, they hadn't heard about you know that option before. Yeah, it's it's um it, you know basically an action reverse in a football game. If you split it, you're a lo- you're you're losing. You're gonna lose uh, on a hundred dollar AI. You're gonna lose one hundred and twenty dollars on on a football game. But the thing with the puck line action, a puck line AR is if, you, if uh, providing you're taking two teams. That's another caveat. I don't take you know Chicago's at home versus Winnipeg and they're minus one and a half and it's plus one ten. That's it, it's a waste. It's terrible value because you, you know you need your team to win by two goals. So there's no you want to get some return on it. You want at least 180, 200 dollars back. So when you play that in an AR, if you split, if you split with two teams at a plus two hundred. You don't lose a dime. You don't lose a cent. You actually will split an AI and you won't lose. And if you actually have two teams that are plus 200 or higher and you split an AI, you're actually going to get money back on a split AI, which is unheard of. So uh, this, 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 I found, I, I kind of stumbled on it because I used to play puck line um, parlays with three teams. In my, I, I whacked my guy a couple times so bad he reduced me down to two teams so he wouldn't let me play them anymore. And then I realized, you know, the action reverse is better also because with a poly, if you lose one t- one game, you're done. You lose your poly no matter what. Whereas the action reverse, you still have the other side to potentially save you and you know and bail you out. So uh, again, it's 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 a hell of a way to make money, man. This year I've had a horseshoe up my ass, no doubt about it. And the other factor is, too, is there's plenty of sites out there to check who the goalies are, and that's what I do. Uh, to me, starting goalies are as important as starting pitches sometimes, they, although they don't affect the lines. But um, I, I make sure who's, who's playing net before I put my wages in, and, and that, that's a big factor, too. I mean, if, if uh, you know, you got a backup like the other night, Tampa Bay, Philly, I saw Nabokov was playing against this you know, 30-year-old rookie for Philly, and it just jumped over, over, over. And, you know, I don't usually bet over-unders, but two backups going – it was easy money, you know. There's ten goals in the game, so you got to do your homework. You got, but 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 I tell people if you bet on hockey, make sure you know who's playing goalie because that that's a pretty important factor. Yeah, and uh, I got burned on that a couple weeks ago when I uh, took Nashville at Boston and uh, Rene didn't play, and I did. I actually, I just had expected that he was going. I figured that I looked, you know, at the schedule and stuff, but then I didn't check Twitter, didn't see him play, and then obviously Boston went on to win. But um, you, you mentioned over unders there, and I remember, you know, right after the lockout for a, you know a good stretch, and you, once in a while now you'll get a six, but six and a halfs 
were so frequent and it was just I mean it was a gold mine because you know <laughs> needing two goals or, or a goal every 10 minutes throughout a game and uh it just wasn't happening and you could clean up on that and now it's you know five and a half has become the new six and a half and you see most games down to five yeah yeah you will you, you know it's funny it, it, it also depends who, who you know what teams are playing you know if stingy teams are playing you'll see five I mean generally uh Generally, you know, five and a half is kind of the given line for for over unders. Um, but you know, if you get like a Minnesota versus uh, yeah, you know, I don't know, Buffalo, you might see a five there. Two teams that don't want to score. And even the Bruins, they've had a lot of fives this year because they weren't scoring earlier. Um, but you know, you'll see. And then you see a couple random sixes, like you know, especially on a team like Philly, you know, playing with with the the goal the runner goalies they've been trotting out this year. You'll see the occasional sixes, but mo- most of them are five and a halfs. Um, and I, I, like I said, I typically stay away from them, but I actually played two of them this week, and, and it was strictly because I saw there was a backup versus backup last night. Robin Lehner was in, actually, well, I lied, uh, what's his name? Gary Lettman for Dallas isn't a backup, but his numbers, he may as well be. Uh, Dallas, uh, I said, it, they're not going anywhere. Everybody, they were everyone's flavor of the, of the month this, this season because of Sagan and everything. And I said, they're not going anywhere. They don't have a friggin' goalie. And, you know, Rettin has been terrible, so it was easy. Another easy over last night. They were nine goals in that game. So, by the way, the, the name of the site Left Wing Walk. It's that's that's the for those listening gambling and wondering, waiting for me to say the name. It's called Left Wing Walk as one of the sites. Um, in there's uh, starting yeah starting goals. You can just Google and they update them every every you know up to the minute. Uh, once they're confirmed, they 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 provide you with the link from the writer, so you know it's you know good information or whatever. Um, and it, it's it's a valuable source, you know, for, for those of us who would like to wager on the occasional puck game. Well, uh, you know, I, I always get hesitant about doing the, the lines in the uh, minus one and a half, only because I feel like, you know, I, I turn the game on to one nothing, and then, you know, now you need three to cover. But I do understand, you know, that's where the true value is, if you can find and do your research and, uh, you know, find the games that, that you can exploit. But for you, I know it seems like you're more, uh, you know, you're, you're steady, you have a good head on your shoulders when you do this, and you don't get tempted by, the, you know, the parlay and going for the big payday. You sort of, it seems like you stick to your system, and if there's something you don't like, you don't like it, you don't try to force it. Exactly. And um, and one other thing about gambling on hockey is don't be afraid to take a night or two off here. I call them night, nights of observement. Of obse- <laughs> you, know, you, just, you just observe teams like, you know, for example, like I, I don't even know when they're playing next, but like uh, Tampa Bay Lightning, I'm probably going to, whoever they play next, well, geez, I was going to say I'm going to bet, bet the shit out of them next game. I'm sorry. I, I, I always forget about language when I'm on podcasts, <laughs> which ones I can swear and which ones I can't. I, I was just going to say I, w- I would bet the bet the farm on the next game, but then I look at them and they're playing Edmonton at home, so they're going to be a huge favorite. So there's like you know they, you know there's no value there. So you know Tampa Bay gets spoke you know screwed up seven goals the other night. They lost a tough one in Boston last night. You know they're, they're coming home versus Edmonton. That's when oh yeah they're going to pound them. But you know I'm not going to put up two forty or two fifty or two eighty to win a hundred. It's, it's just poor terrible value for a regular season game. And the puck line, I mean, the, you know, Tampa's probably going to be minus one and a half, probably plus 110, maybe 120. And, again, that's just not good value for the risk. I mean, some people, you know, they think it's an automatic win. They don't care. They just want to try to get the W. That's fine if that's your style. But, you know, I, I was kind of hoping Tampa was on the road in, 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 a, in a playoff city tomorrow night because uh, then, then you'd be tremendous value there. You know, they would probably be the underdog. And, you know, you just find that alternate one and a half line and, and lay that. But, now that I see they're playing Edmonton, I'll, I'll probably lay off that game. But, but yeah, I, I do take nights off occasionally, especially like to watch certain teams because, okay, you think a team's going to bounce back after a game and then they lose again. It's like, okay, now I'm going to jump on them in the third game, not the second game. So, 
you know, it's just like anything. Like, you know, I've been gambling, Christ, since I was five years old going to the dog <laughs> track with my father. I mean, probably be arrested for right nowadays, but the 70s were a different era. And, uh, <laughs> you know, you, it's just like anything. You just try to learn from your mistakes, try to uh, try to gain an advantage when you can, and limit your mistakes. That's, it's, it's you know, and, and you hope you win. It's, the hockey betters, are, we're a very small minority. I think I read, I think Vegas action is, 2% of their action is NHL play, so... You know, there's not a lot of us, but there's definitely definitely money to be made out there. There's, if, 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 you, if you follow the league night to night and, like I said, watch where the goalies are, then, then there's certainly money to be made. There's a lot of uh, exposure to do. Well, when it comes to football and your Patriots, uh, another you know another AFC Championship game, another win away from trying to get back to the Super Bowl and try to end that ten year drought. And to me, you know, I, I'm you know growing up a Giants fan, uh, going to school in Boston, I couldn't be any more anti Patriots, and <laughs> I've done everything I could to you know hope that they they blow it. And I was at dinner the other night checking my phone to see uh, their score against the Ravens, and uh, it just got daggered, you know, back to back fourteen point deficits erased. And I thought that uh, really you know that was their chance to lose before getting to the Super Bowl, and now it's probably going to take Seattle getting there to beat them, but, um, you know, for you, for one aspect, you know, how, how good do you feel about this team heading there, and uh, do you think, you know, they were going to get back to uh, back to the Super Bowl, get to Arizona no matter what, and uh, from another standpoint, I feel like, you know, you would be someone that probably was all over the Colts' money line on Sunday. Oh, I, I, I have, I thought the Colts in August, I have them 25 to win on the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> But I also, but I also have money on the Patriots at a lower odds. But I'm, I mean, I'm a Pats here. I'm going to root for the Pats. If the Pats lose, then I'm not going to cry because I, I got a potential to make a lot of money on the Colts. But I'm rooting Pats. That game the other day, uh, I had a couple of my cousins over. I never gave up. I, I'm not one of those like the first quarter. Everybody, all oh, this is fourteen nothing. And then one, I said on Twitter, I goes, "Is this people? Is this your first time watching the NFL? <laughs> I mean, fourteen nothing in the first quarter in the NFL is the equivalent to two nothing in the first five minutes of a hockey game." That lead's not safe. All you got to do is score the next touchdown, do a three and out, score again, and then tie game. And that's the Pats. They somehow, well, not somehow. Tom Brady did it twice in a game. And I'll tell you, I never lost faith. I just, you know, as long as you had Brady and that Baltimore secondary, anything could happen. And Flacco, he was outstanding for three quarters, and then he threw up that awful duck in the double coverage. And you know, it well it didn't seal the game. It should have. I don't know. The Pats mismanaged their clock on the last drive there. Where they actually gave, had to freaking punt the ball. I don't know. I still haven't come back and watched that yet. Uh, I, but I do think this is probably the, the one of the best Patriots teams that in the last 15 years. And it's funny to hear you say a 10-year drought. See, I, you know, I'm not one of these young, cocky, you know, you know, braggadocio uh, Pats fans. I paid my dues, Neil, back in the <laughs> 70s and 80s, and I was in Foxborough with 10,000 people in the snow and against other terrible teams. So, you know, I'm not one of these ones who, you know, pounds his chest, and, you know, there are some people who are old enough to know better, but they still do it, and I'm not. You know, I, I'm, I'm, I consider myself lucky. I, I'm, I'm, I like that I'm older to appreciate it more. So I don't think of it as a 10-year drought. More, I think of it more of as a 15-year run. Uh, granted, yeah, we haven't. Well, we I, I, I picked on uh, Charlie Whisker. The, the, the Patriots haven't won the, the Super Bowl in what, 2005. It has been 10 years, but you know, like we're, this is that our as fans ninth AFC championship in you know 15 years. That's incredible. That's crazy that we've you know this is our ninth chance to, as fans to go to a Super Bowl. I mean, that's unfathomable. I and mean, we've been in, as fans in five of them. You know, to, to root for. I mean, it's. You know, if we lose this weekend, it will suck and be terrible, and it will be a huge disappointment to, uh, to Patriots fans. I don't think it's going to happen. Um, 
but it, it's it, it's it's a lot of confidence in the year. The team is you know they got Revis, they got Brown. The, the you know it was kind of like I, I compared them to the the Red Sox for all those years. The Red Sox biggest Achilles heel was pitching. They never had it. They would always go and get these home run hitters and. The you know, owners didn't give, give two craps, and well, that was kind of like the Patriots the last decade. Their secondary was like Red Sox pitching pre two thousand four. You know, this year they went out and got Revis and Browner, and it, it just totally changed the whole complexion of the team. Uh, they got a lot of studs up front. You know, the, the kid Collins has been having a great year. The, the, the defense does yeah, well, had looked good last week. They got smoked, but you know, it's one game. Uh, Baltimore they had a good game plan. They attacked them a certain way, but the Pats hung in there. They, you know, they. They rely on Brady, but well, you know that's what you do. You you know you, you you rely on your number one guy, and they did that. Um, I, I don't you know I I, I don't think they're going to have a cakewalk this week by any stretch. I mean, you know I, I like I told people take Indy Sunday, the Indy by double digits, and all people are oh, defense sucks. The defense sucks. Well, the defense has given up two touchdowns in two playoff games now, including one on the road in Denver. So you know you know you know take them at your own risk if that's your feeling because <laughs> I, I mean. You know, it's, uh, some teams like you know, like I mean, you know, you're a Giants fan, man. They was guys are dead in the water in November, two couple of years, and you know they they came up, they went on a run, and then they won the Super Bowl. So, you know, Pats fans better be cautious with with, with uh, the overconfidence because Andrew Luck is he's probably the best young dynamic quarterback in the league. I I don't remember seeing someone that good that young since maybe Manning, who just flings it around. And I know he's you know he does take risks, he does throw a few picks here and there, but Christ, it's only his what third year in the league. Uh, I think Pats fans should well be, you know, well tone down the kind of the confidence. I, I think the game is probably going to be a closer than closer than people think. But uh, I will be surprised if the Pats lose. They just they just seem to be a team on a mission this year. And uh, as far as Seattle Green Bay, again, I, everyone's got Seattle going there, you know, because uh, well, there's Seattle and uh, what's his face Rogers got the the bum cap. But man, it's football. It's sports. It's it's why we play the games. You know, it's nothing's assumed. So. Uh, I, I just can't wait for this weekend. Championship Sunday is always one of the, one of the better days in the calendar, so I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, I think the Pats will win, and uh, you know I, I wouldn't be well. I honestly wouldn't shock me if Green Bay uh, beat Seattle. I mean, teams do go in that place and beat that team. They're not unbeatable up there. Um, they 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 have Russell Wilson. He's a dynamic quarterback. Marshawn um, Lynch can run on you, but. I don't know that he's got a, a, a ton of receivers to throw to. Um, and, and again, if you know Green Bay's D, they, they don't excite me much. But you know, sometimes games just guys just get up. You know, guys might have lower talent on one side, but if they're emotionally more invested than guys with more talent, then they're going to beat them. And I think that's what we saw with the Giants versus the Patriots in the Super Bowl. Those two, <laughs> not one but two times. You know. Yeah, and uh, you, you you know you mentioned how you paid your dues, and uh, you know you haven't always had success with your football team. And um, when I was doing a podcast before the Rangers Islanders games uh, with my friend uh, who's uh, on hockey this week radio and for WFAN, and he's an Islanders guy, and he he grew up, you know, uh, he's he's lived through the bad times, and now it seems like all these Islanders fans that are coming out, you know, chirping Rangers fans and all that. And I I said, you know, it's sort of like. Uh, you know, you, you like a band that you've seen at, you know, bars and nightclubs, and then they get mainstream popular, and now they're playing stadiums and arenas. And for you as a Patriots fan, I mean, do you get annoyed with, with the younger group that's only, you know, known getting to the AFC Championship game in the Super Bowl every year? No, they, 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 they suck. I mean, and it's, <laughs> they do, it's, and it's not just the Patriots. It's, it's you know, I mean, we, we as New Englanders, had the, uh, the most unprecedented run of championships in, in pro sports history. And I don't say that as a bragging or, or a pound on my chest. I mean, you know, it's just pure facts. I mean, from, you know, the Patriots in 2001 up until uh, the Bruins in 2011. I mean, we had the the, Pat, the Pats won it three times, the Celts won it once, almost another time, the Sox won it twice, the Bruins. 
I mean, it, you know, I mean, if you're a kid and you grew up with that, I mean, yeah, I guess you're going to be a cocky little prick about it. But, <laughs> you know, I'm an older, older guy than most of these fans. And like I said, I paid my dues, not, not just with the Pats, with the Sox, not so much the Celtics because they were always pretty good during my lifetime. You know, but with the Bruins, and yeah, you know, you, you, you know, you'd like to see humility, but humility is a long gone trait in this modern world, Neil. So <laughs> I, I, I don't, I, I don't pay much attention to it. I, I just, I keep my opinion. I say what I say, and I, I you know, people want to go yell, yell, brag, whatever. Hey, I was 20 years old too. I'd be doing the same goddamn thing. So I don't begrudge them, but you know, not my cup of tea. Yeah, and I think uh, you know the, the craziest thing about the Patriots' success is that um, you know I'm, you know for myself growing up with the '90s Yankees teams, and and no matter what it, you know who they were playing, if it was the regular season, the playoffs, the opponent, it didn't matter. If they were down, you knew they would come back. You knew they'd find a way. And you sort of mentioned that with the Patriots against the Ravens, and uh, you know you never really felt like you were out of the game. And with the Yankees, that sort of died, you know, in '04 when the, when everything else died, and as the team changed over. Uh, that characteristic of the team sort of left as well. But with the Patriots now, I mean, this is going on 14 years or whatever, where no matter what the situation is, it feels like they're going to come back. And, you know, no matter how many people turn over on the team and, and what the roster changes, personnel, coaching changes happen, they still have that same trait. And I think, you know, that's been the biggest, uh, you know, their, their most uh, envious trait is that they, they're always in games, they're always in this situation. And no matter if it's, you know, 21 nothing or, or 14, uh, or they're up, or they're down 14 with five minutes left, it just feels like they're going to come back yeah and, and that's you know that's all brady brady belichick i mean uh yeah, I mean, he's arguably I, I don't know how many comeback i don't i'm not gonna google it right now but i mean he's arguably the best comeback quarterback and you know fourth quarter ever i mean i know elway's up there in montana obviously but i mean you're, as long as you got brady and belichick you got a chance i mean like the other day you know those two you know uh well they call them trick plays i i i hate that it's like they're not trick plays. They're in the rule book. They're illegally allowed. They're not tricks. They're, 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 you can do them every game if you want. I mean, you know, Belichick was a genius. People up here have been clamoring for Julian Edelman to throw a pass since he got here because he was a quarterback in college. And I, I think people talked about it so much they forgot about it. And then, you know, when everyone wasn't expecting it, Belichick busted it. Oh, they used a trick. You know, it was one of the Ravens. Oh, oh they, didn't even have, they didn't even run it on us. They had to resort to that. It's like, are you kidding me, dude? They beat you by the friggin' rules. They used a play that, because you idiots left the guy wide open. They caught you in a bad a bad uh, defensive setup, and they exploited you. And then the stuff with the ineligible receiver, that's not something you see often. It's happened, like, like Harbaugh, again, that's never happened before. That's bull. It's happened before, not plenty of times, not often. It's not a common thing. But again, it was Belichick outsmarting the, the other team. You know, the, the, the referees came on and said, this guy is uh, ineligible, don't throw to him. And they, he caught them off guard. He caught them with their pants down. And, and you know, you, you know, you wonder what, what he's got up his sleeve this week. And, and, you know, they didn't use those when they were winning. They used them when they needed them. So, you know, Belichick's probably got 15, 20, uh, 2,000 more of those up his sleeve. He's such a football savant. So, you know, it's, I hate that people complain that, oh, they pulled the trigger. It's like they, they use the rules and they won the game. You lost. Shut up and go home, you know, especially Baltimore. I mean, I know people hate the Pats mostly because of the fans, but I don't know how you can hate the Patriots more than the Baltimore Ravens. They have to be probably the most despicable organization in sports with, with the way they handle things over the last few years and building statues to accessories to murders and whatnot. I mean, <laughs> they're just a deplorable organization. I mean, the Pats... Oh, yeah, you know, everyone throws Spygate out, and you know, talk to any coach from that era. I mean, I actually asked Jimmy Johnson on Twitter, you know, what, what's this? He goes, he goes, it's nothing, and we all did it, you know. And then, you know, of course, the media is the one who jump on it. But I don't know, man. Yeah, you know, I, I understand people having the hate in the past, but uh, you know, if you were rooting for Baltimore the other day, man, then you know, you've got to take a look at the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, uh, I've been asked this question before by Patriots fans, and, uh, you know, I have a lot of friends who are, and that is, you know, for the Giants, uh, it seems like the last few years, I mean, they're out of the playoffs the last three years now, and um, they made it in 07, won the Super Bowl, 08, they had a bye, then they lost, and they missed it, then they, for two years, came back, won the Super Bowl, and now they missed it for three, and, you know, would you would you trade, you know, the Patriots' last run of success here, where they're in it every year, they're down to the stretch, but they haven't won it, for what the Giants have experienced, where there's no playoff football, uh, most of the time the season's over in November, and, uh, you know, you get in a couple times, and you win it, but for the, but for the other years, there's nothing. Well, I mean, I guess I'd have to say the Pats because, you know, in the grand scheme, you know, the Pats have won as many Super Bowls, actually won more Super Bowl than the Giants, and, you know, we're in two other ones and almost win a couple more. So, you know, yeah, I guess I'd rather take the the extended run with one more Super Bowl rather than two random fluke Super Bowls <laughs> when you guys showed up uh, and had a better team for a couple Sundays. So, yeah, I guess I'd, I'd stick with what we have. <laughs> and, uh, you know, you mentioned also before about saying the we with uh, – I, I think everyone tends to do it when, you know, the, it's the Yankees, the Rangers. You say, you know, we got to win tonight, things like that, and you, you sort of refrained yourself from saying it. But are you, are you know, are you against uh, that? And I, and I do understand it because, you know, as I get older now and uh, I saw an average age in the NFL the other day, you know, I'm 28 and most of the guys now are way under that and uh there's you know the, the NHL guys are dwindling down for people that I grew up watching so I guess it is it is a little odd but for you I mean you know for you you know growing up uh, being a fan for all these teams do you do you have to stop yourself from saying that um yeah I mean it's something like that you know we 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 I just yeah I probably stopped saying you know what, honestly probably when I when I started writing the blog you know, in the, you know, I did get the press credential, and you know, I thought it would look kind of silly for me to be saying we. You know, I mean, I, I do try to approach that sort of journalistically. I know I'm a fan writing a fan blog, but I do try to kind of bring some journalistic ethics to it. So I, you know, I, I don't say we, and I did say, you know, when today using we, I, I, I hope I made it clear it was we as in fans, we New England fans. You know, I might have slipped through it with Charlie the other day. It was you know, we just came home, we just swept the the California. It was like, bro, you didn't play. You know, like I mean, we as fans of what we've experienced and we've gone through. So yeah, it's just you know, I mean, you know, I, I'm sure I said the same thing, and I'm you know, I'm a, I'm a grump, becoming a grumpy old guy before your eyes. So you know, it's it just I think that when I started writing the blog, we was something I needed to get away from. I mean, I do write from the fan perspective. I am writing as the you know fan we. But yeah, I I, I don't I don't say we. I'm not on the team. I'm not part of the team. Uh, you know, I think we should be for the guys in the locker room. Not, not you know, you know, you, you know, whatever. I but I understand that you know you you know we got to win this game. We got you know we have, you know we got we need the next touchdown. I get that when you're sitting around your living room. We got. I'm I'm not paying. You know, I don't mean you can never say it, but you know when you're on when you're coming on and you say oh we just we just swept uh, the West Coast trip. It's like man, you were in New York. You didn't do nothing. You didn't play. <laughs> you know. <laughs> All right, Brian. Well, uh, hopefully you're able to cash that uh, Colts ticket because that would mean that uh, the Patriots don't survive this Sunday. And, uh, and if they do, I, I think it's really only Seattle that they can take them down. So then I guess I'm rooting for Seattle against Green Bay. But thanks for coming on. Uh, you know, look forward to a good game on Thursday night between the Rangers and Bruins. And uh, good luck uh, the rest of the way in the NFL playoffs. Thanks a lot, Neil. I really appreciate your sentiments and uh, for having me on again. Always a pleasure. Anytime, I'm, I'm always here for you, pal. Take care and uh, good luck with the Rangers, brother. All right. Thanks again, Brian. Okay, Bell, take care.